for saying you've heard me say this many times and the president as well uh, we've been very clear from the beginning that what we saw on January 6 was the worst attack on our democracy since the Civil War and uh, the president has been very clear our democracy continues and remains under threat and we all have a have a part to protect it uh, the committee has been doing important bipartisan work to get to the truth of what happened on that very day so we can we can make so we can make sure that that doesn't happen uh, again. So I'll leave it there. You know, I uh, my dad when I got elected vice president he said, Joey, Uncle Frank fought in the Battle of the Bulge. He was not feeling very well now, not because of the Battle of the Bulge, but he said, and he won the Purple Heart, and he never received it. He never he never got it. Do you think you could help him get it? Will surprise him. So he got him the Purple Heart. He had won it in the Battle of the Bulge. And I remember he came over to the house, and I came out, and he said, present it to him. Okay, we had the family there. I said, Uncle Frank, you won this, and I went to peace. He said, I don't want the damn thing. No, I'm serious. He said, I don't want it. I said, what's the matter, Uncle Frank? You earned it. He said, yeah, but the others died. The others died. I lived. I don't want it. And there's estimates of 50,000 migrants in Mexico waiting to cross if Title 42 ends. Is that accurate, and would that overwhelm the Border Patrol? So, look, I, I don't uh, don't have a, uh, a number uh, for you at this time. What I can say is that we know smugglers uh, will try to spread misinformation to take advantage of these vulnerable uh, migrants. But I want to be very clear here. Uh, the fact is that the removal of Title 42 does not mean the border is open. Uh, anyone who suggests otherwise is simply doing the work of these smugglers who, again, are spreading misinformation and which are which is very dangerous. And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's 22nd of December, year of our Lord, 2022. Sorry I'm a day late. I got sick of shit on top of being sick. Got some kind of stomach virus. Didn't feel like coming down here, but I got a nice little heater going. Today we're going to go from 49 degrees to negative two, and I'm going to have a white Christmas. That's pretty cool. So we'll go with it. That was our commander-in-chief. And, of course, you know, because you're educated, that that whole story is bullshit. And that doesn't even happen. And that his little evil cabbage patch just fucking lies. That's, that's what she does. So we're going to do the same format we always do. We're going to have a couple of uh, choice cuts up front. 
I want to make sure we understand that the overriding psyops has not stopped. So here's our daily stochetic terrorism. They love this one. Preview. Hi, this week's edition of the Velshi Band Book Club is not about any singular book or author. It's about the nationwide bad faith effort to ban books and the people in the groups that are behind it. The recent surge of book banning is not the result of a grassroots effort by concerned parents who are raising genuine questions about the content that their children have access to. Parents like that do exist, to be clear, and they deserve to be fully engaged in what their children are reading and learning. But they are not the ones propelling the book bans that you're hearing about on this show every week. In a new dispatch in the New York Times, Elizabeth Harris and Alexandra Alter write, quote, recently, the issue has been supercharged by a rapidly growing and increasingly influential constellation of conservative groups. The organizations frequently describe themselves as defending parental rights. Some are new and others are longstanding, but with a recent focus on books, some work at the district and state level, others have national reach. And over the past two years or so, they have grown vastly more organized, interconnected, well-funded, and effective. One of these groups is Patriot Mobile. It's self-described as America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. A wireless provider. Why is a cell phone company getting involved in children's reading? Patriot Mobile's political action committee poured hundreds of thousands of dollars into school board races in Texas to, quote, promote candidates with conservative views on race, gender and sexuality, including on which books children can access at school, end quote, according to The New York Times. Eleven candidates backed by Patriot Mobile's PIC, this is a wireless carrier, were elected to school boards in four districts with the goal of eliminating critical race theory and what they call LGBTQ indoctrination from schools and have been successful in pulling at least 40 previously challenged titles off of library shelves. The group's executive director joined Steve Bannon's podcast and said even books that feature LGBTQ characters with zero sexual content are a problem because, quote, it is normalizing a lifestyle that is a sexual choice, end quote. The PAC's efforts contributed to Texas holding the title of the state with the most book bans, weighing in at 801 across 22 districts. Another group is Florida Citizens Alliance. One of the group's founders told the New York Times that its mission is to protect the innocence of children and, quote, let the parents decide what the child gets rather than having government schools indoctrinate our kids, end quote. Government schools, which you might otherwise know as public schools. Florida Citizens Alliance has been around for almost 10 years. It's got very close ties to this guy. You get it. It's to take down DeSantis, but they got to keep having a boogeyman because... We'll cover it briefly today. J6, you know, had to wrap up since they lost the House and, and do a bunch of indictments that are useless. But they got no boogeyman. They're slowly but surely being shown to be liars about Russia, Russia, Russia. We're going to do Twitter 8 today. It's fucking bad. It's worse. Every time I do this, I don't even want to talk about it. It's so fucking bad. But with the world the way it is, and I'm not covering Zelensky um, I don't understand why we're sending all this money and weaponry. I don't know what we're doing over there. We have people living in the street. We have an invasion in the South that nobody's covering. It'll be one of our first ones. But I had to play this Meacham. Now, remember, Meacham is on MSNBC as a scholar. But the reality is he writes Biden's speeches and saying he incredibly handled Ukraine. We'll listen first. 
exactly. And John Meacham, your thoughts. Uh, is this solidifying any Churchillian parallels here? Hmm. Absolutely. Uh, with a great sense of, of theater and a great commitment uh, to the hard, hard, hard work, unimaginable work for most of us of defending your country from a superior power. Zelensky is very much acting in the Churchillian tradition. Uh, Churchill didn't come to the United States uh, during World War II until December 1941, after both Pearl Harbor and uh, Hitler's declaration of war on the United States. Uh, it was at that point that FDR said to him, we're all in the same boat now. And it was a boat that, like Zelensky, uh, Churchill had been in largely alone since uh, the spring of 1940. And we had been fighting this battle that we're fighting again. I think this is the thing to think about today and tomorrow as, as people watch these events. This is one of our oldest and most difficult battles in the United States. Mm -hmm. It's between engagement in the world and isolationism. Uh, the false sense that because of our the gift of geography uh, of the United States of America that somehow we are, to paraphrase Churchill, not involved in the agonies and the triumphs of the old world. But we are. And I think President Biden has uh, led with immense skill uh, throughout uh, this crisis. All right, let's rewind the tape. He couldn't get the coalition to actually hurt Russia, so they're making more money off of their natural gas than they did before. They didn't take responsibility for blowing up the pipeline. Do you know the entire world doesn't talk about it? Who did it? It was us. Everybody knows it was us. He let them get in. He slow rolled all the weaponry they needed up front so they wouldn't get overrun. And then he backpedaled and got stuff in. Now he's speaking before our Congress at Christmas, and people are calling him fucking Churchill. That's Zelensky. It's a total clusterfuck. It, it mirrors everything else it does. I, the media won't play this, but I will. This is Afghanistan Today. Yeah, they're crying because they, they now don't get to go to school anywhere. It started at college, but now it's everywhere. They don't get to learn. I remember going to schools and the happiness on those little kids' face, especially the girls that got to learn to read and fucking write. But yeah, he's so fucking skillful. You're right, John Meacham. You fucking hack. This is one of the NBC main reporters, and this is how he literally talked about Twitter, the parlor files. And while we're talking about, we're going to hit it in a second, this is Media Matters losing their shit over Tucker Carlson. They have been tracking him so much. Those are just pie charts of what he says and Josh Hawley, who's on there. Then they go to uh, all the other bad people. Uh, tonight's segments on topics. I mean, talk about a fucking session. 
Then over on the other side of the world, the free press. Oh, I didn't do it. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Oh, Jesus. I just changed total fucking segments. We'll get to this in a second. There's actually articles now. The rise of DeSantis Democrats. And I didn't. Let me do this. I'm going to do it live because I should have done this. I meant to do it. And I didn't. And I don't know why I didn't. I don't know what I was thinking because this is a this this is going to be how I started before we we got into um, our sound bites. So let's let's back it up. Let's back this train up. Ba bam. This is an actual article. How to find ways for people to avoid. Let's make it harder to avoid the news and a whole lot easier to get caught up. I'm not going to waste your time and read it. I'm just going to tell you. Within this article, he is saying through the Neiman lab how we need to get people who don't want to have news or just get away from the news or just get a fucking break from the constant agenda of CRT and LGBTEIEIO and new words, which I was going to cover the Stanford, but I'm not because you've seen it everywhere by now. Who is the fascist? They not only try to shut down conservative media, now they want people that don't even want to get near the media to get media. And maybe if he listened to his ex-boss, CNN chief says uninformed vitriol from the left has been stunning. He said it. He said it. It's a he said, she said. She said Or maybe if they didn't sound like this. Now, remember, you just heard the press secretary before she said this. Martha Radish said it on this week, and it sounded like this. You talk about the border wall. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard... President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. But people I have heard say it for you are former President Trump or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message. Yeah, I'm not doing a Christmas theme, so we're going to have a little Christmas magic going on while I'm running my cock trap. That is on the media. That's how they are on every subject. They lead for the Democrats. They push the narrative for the Democrats. It's like they believe, because, you know, they know they have tricked trick the system, you know, Google suppresses everything, Facebook and Twitter suppress everything or censor or tell people to shut the fuck up. That we don't remember people coming across the border in 2021 wearing shirts saying, thank you, Joe Biden. Or people haven't been interviewed and saying, we're coming here because Biden. Or that he didn't, on a presidential debate stage with all other Democrats, say, we need to surge the border. And Chuck Schumer, a little while ago, and I'd play it, but I just played it, 
saying that we need these people because we're not having enough babies because they spend a lot of time aborting them. Or we don't realize that maybe their t- plan is to turn Texas because if they can win Texas, New York, and California, they, they don't have to win anything else. They win presidential elections all the time. And if they can dump enough people into El Paso, which you're seeing if you're watching the news or on Twitter or Facebook or you see any of the conservative media, they're, they're, they're everywhere. They're not going anywhere. They have no place to go. They're single adults. The rest of the media wasn't better. There's a CNN segment. They're shit pissed off about Mayorkas. Um, a CNN segment saying that uh, Title 42 has got to continue, but even now the White House is trying to stop that. And another one with fucking the CBS lady who literally says non-biased in her promo vids. And to give some context, I think we've all seen the clips of Jay Johnson, the former um, um, Homeland Security Secretary under President Obama, who once said during a hearing that if they were seeing a thousand um, apprehensions a day, that that would strain the system. That's that's over the entire system. And in, in just in El Paso, we're seeing 2,000 now uh, potentially going upwards. Um, this really is a crisis. Um, I think President Biden, to show that there's going to be a change, he has to get rid of all of his officials that were involved in Board of Security. I think that includes Secretary Mayorkas because they have no credibility in the United States. They have no credibility outside the United States. Well, I just I was going to ask you about if Biden has the legal authority to extend Title 42, but you are saying that he needs to fire his Homeland Security mm-hmm. Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Yes, uh, of course, because this 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 crisis has escalated under him. There's other ways to do expedited removal. Um, You also have a title eight authorities. Let's turn now to that looming crisis at the southern border. New tonight, the Biden administration is asking the Supreme Court to end restrictions on migrants hoping to gain asylum here in the U.S. The Trump administration has put in place a rule during the pandemic that expelled migrants without allowing them to seek asylum. CBS's Omar Villafranca is in El Paso, where the Texas National Guard has now arrived. A dramatic scene on Texas's U.S.-Mexico border. Before sunrise, Texas National Guard troops arrived to put a razor wire fence alongside the banks of the Rio Grande. Texas Governor Greg Abbott sending 400 more National Guard troops to the El Paso border in an attempt to block the flow of migrants into the U.S. They're getting a bullhorn every once in a while and telling people, you can't be here. You being here on this side is illegal. You need to move on. And they're telling them to go to different points of entry. But what we found out when they're going to other points of entry, Customs and Border Patrol is not letting anybody in. This was one of the border crossings a week ago. This is what it looks like tonight. A line of Humvees, armed soldiers, and Texas state troopers. Thousands of migrants have crossed this area in the last few days. Despite the uncertainty of ending Title 42, the city is putting plans in motion to house as many as 10,000 migrants, even considering opening their convention center in schools not currently in. And that is a huge part of this, is all this confusion. So that migrant we had spoken with from Venezuela, he, like many others, had that deadline of the 21st of December, thinking that that's when Title 42 was going to be lifted. Don, as you pointed out, what came yesterday from the Chief Justice changed all of that. It is still in effect. And now you've got added law enforcement behind me here at the border. So a lot of these folks who are working on that 21st timeline, they're thinking perhaps they still try to cross. 
maybe they, they hold off for a bit. They're waiting for what could be a new date and deadline for them to fixate on to then determine their next steps here. But you have this state of confusion and really limbo that a lot of these folks are finding themselves in. And now they're looking across and seeing the space that they used to easily walk across onto. I mean, it was so simple for them. They'd step over stones and they'd be there, some of them going back and forth to help others. Well, now it looks to be completely shuttered. And that seems to be, as we pointed out, Don, a mobilization from Texas. Just one quick question for you, because they're playing this all by ear, right? Because it's happened suddenly. What happens if they, right. you know, if, if it isn't um, lifted in the next week or so, what happens? It, and that's, that's been the big focus, right? They all thought it was going to be today. A lot of these migrants have traveled. I want to be quite honest. Um, this makes kids in cages look like it was child's play. The mass of humanity out there freezing because of their inept policy that they're now blaming on people who are saying, hey, the border's not open, that their actual DHS is reporting four million motherfuckers that we know of are in this country already in two years. And there's 80,000 motherfuckers sitting in Mexico about to surge over the border. Every liberal news stations going, well, we'll be getting buses this week, prepping their populace. Nashville News is doing it. So I'm just going to play back to back to back to save us a little time because I really want to hit it this. We're going to hit the DNC immigration plan, a segment on Tucker, uh, Fox News, t- t- torpedoes ABC Biden uh, promise illegal immigration entry, and then a very long Tucker segment but i'm playing it because he's the only one with the fucking balls through this whole thing to say what it is they're diluting the american populace so our vote doesn't matter anymore it is exactly the the goldberg article we can replace them thank you so much for coming on so you you went and, and shot the pictures that we're playing right now. Why'd you do that? I did. Uh, thank you, Tucker, for having me. I, I represent Texas's 23rd district, which is 60 percent of El Paso County and 823 miles of the southern border. I have fought for two years to secure this border. Uh, you know, the reason why I shot that footage is because the American people deserve to know the truth, the untapped truth. And, and once you see those images, you can't unsee them. And the other part was to put pressure on the Biden administration to keep Title 42 in place. Literally the last Trump policy that works. You know, tonight we got word that the, the judges are going to give a stay, but I, I mixed emotions here. It's, it's almost a stay of execution. And, and part of it what that frustrates me is here you have the greatest country on earth that, you know, we have to rely on a COVID error policy to enforce our immigration system. It's completely broken. It's heartbreaking to see it to happen of all places to El Paso, which is such a nice little town and such a success, particularly compared to the city right across the river. I don't understand. And you probably don't want to comment on this because it's your state and you're in politics. But why does state government put up with this? Like, why don't they secure the border? They have men under arms that they they mean the governor control. Like, why put up with this for one minute? 
Yeah, I think it, it has frustrated everyone, uh, local level, certainly at the state level uh, in Congress. It's frustrated me in Congress as well. But we have to we have to remind that this is exactly what Democrats wanted. A year ago, House Democrats hosted the vice president in El Paso. There they had a press conference that said, welcome to the new Ellis Island. When people often ask me, hey, what's what's the administration's plan? This is their plan, Tucker. We're seeing it unfold. And, and this is exactly what they want. They want taxpayers to pay for this uh, influx of, of migrants that, as you pointed, are going to all parts of the country. This is exactly what the Democrats uh, want. We have to fight them with everything we, we can. And that starts in the House. I agree with that. No one's even pretending this helps America. They're not even telling us that anymore. They know it's hurting America. That's why they like it. It's it's beyond. Congressman Tony Gonzalez of Texas. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border. Come on over. But people I have heard say it are you, our former President Trump, or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. Wow. ABC's Martha Raddatz challenging Texas Governor Abbott over his criticism of the Biden administration's open border policy, insisting the president never urged immigrants to come, illegal immigrants to come here. But remember when Biden said this. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Fox News contributor Joe Concha is here to react. Joe, it's remarkable, not just because we have the video showing that, but also this is a talking point that's going on right now where they're saying if you notice that the border is open and that cities are becoming overwhelmed, then you are the one advertising that the border is open and it's your fault um, that people are coming here illegally. What do you say? Rachel, yeah, don't believe your lying eyes, yeah. right? Don't watch a Bill Malusion report that we run daily on this network. Martha Raddatz, Rachel, went into this this interview on a mission, uh, not for the truth in the name of journalism and not to getting to the true story of what's happening at the U.S. southern border, which is in a crisis. She went there to push a narrative, a narrative that says that what's happening at the border is simply fear-mongering by Governors Abbott and DeSantis and the former president and Trump. And, and Joe Biden, as you said in that Democratic primary debate, that's a national audience said, quote, we should immediately surge the border. Migrants should, unquote. And there are photos of migrants with T-shirts on saying, Biden let us in after he became president. Right. I mean, Martha Raddus did her audience on ABC a huge disservice here. And the real and sad issue here, Rachel, it's all intentional because, again, the pictures are the pictures and the numbers are the numbers. Exactly. I was just going to say, it's also the data. We know what the data yep. was. It was the, the least amount of illegal immigration we'd had in 40 years under the Trump administration. Now we have the worst crisis we've ever seen. The numbers show it. The pictures show it. And by the way, those T-shirts that you talked about with, with, you know, Joe Biden on it, that the migrants were coming over and the illegal migrants are coming over. And those are mm -hmm. provided by NGOs that are funded by the Biden administration with our tax. This is the biggest story in recent American history, a total change in the American population, millions and millions and millions of new people. The country will never be what it was five years ago. Even if you're for this, you would acknowledge this is a big deal, and it's completely ignored by the media, except when they are forced to respond and they tell you to shut up and stop complaining. 
On ABC News, someone called Martha Raddatz argued that actually it's people who are against immigration who are to blame for the immigration crisis because they're talking about it and therefore advertising it to the rest of the world. Watch this. You talk about the border wall. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border. Come on over. But people I have heard say it are you, our former President Trump, or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message that it is an open border, and smugglers use all those kinds of statements. You do fervently wish, say, 25,000 Haitians would move to Martha Radice's neighborhood tonight. Maybe she... Ah, I cut it down. I play enough Tucker. But it is. It, we are not the same country. The demographics are going to change. The voter electorate's going to change. Because remember these people, they get to vote in local elections, and you think they're not voting in federal elections, you're fucking smoking crack. They all get driver's license, motor voter, and with mail-in, do you think they're checking? They don't verify signatures. That's racist. That's, that's Jim Crow 2.0. How do you think they're winning all these elections? How do you think the left just won a midterm? Do you think it was on the up and up? Every metric says the American people say they suck. The president's voter, uh, his approval level's low. They're pissed off about the border, inflation, and gas. They know it's him. But they don't lose because they're doing mass mail-in and everybody gets to vote. Nobody's checking the voter rolls because that's racist also. And until the GOP figures out a cheat, or really what they need to do is start cheating like the Democrats, and then the media will report it, and then all of a sudden all this shit will go away. That's how you fix it. Because they're, they're going to find out the Republicans are ballot harvesting and they'll be just like North Carolina all over again. So the border is really bad. Um, I, I, I am fucking shocked that nobody cares. Nobody cares. They literally, the media has advocated and we spent, if you remember... We fucking spent months about kids in cages and um, why the fuck is Trump doing this and showing actual fucking photos that was the Obama administration and how they handled this shit. But no. We're not going to cover any of this stuff. Why would we fucking cover this stuff? You fucking racist. You're fucking racist, dude. Dude. Come on. So, our next subject is I'm getting ready to pull up all the slides and have some fun. I'm not covering this in depth, but I just want to remember what t the night of January 20th, 2017 was like. And that we didn't have any hearings and nobody got arrested. I just want you to remember this. You are both. Police had to push back the protesters so firefighters could get to the flames. Hey, hey, 
Small fires had appeared all day. This upped the temperature, which of course was the point. One demonstrator threw a flashbang grenade back at police. It exploded in an officer's face. Plenty of tear gas, six officers reportedly injured. They will destroy your limo. You need to leave now. AK-47, put the cops in piggy Nobody went to jail. Nobody went to jail for W's both inaugurations. Nobody went to jail for this. Nobody went to jail for all the carnage we had under the Floyd riots. No jail time. None. But now we've released what we knew was coming, okay? Bombshell report outlining security failures on January 6th. Within the report, they're covering the Speaker of the House, Democrat leadership were closely involved in security decisions. The House Sergeant in Arms, Paul Irving, took direction from staff and office of Speaker of the House and intentionally excluded Republicans from key meetings. The leader of the USCP Intelligence and Inter Agency Coordinated Division failed to warn USCP leadership and line officers about the threat of violence. Line officers were undertrained and ill-equipped. The U.S. Capitol Police does not have the equipment necessary to protect its officers. Staff of the House Sergeant Arms Office emailed Paul Irving on January 6th was Pelosi's fault. Widespread concern with Democrat leadership over optics and the aftermath of the 2020 Black Lives Matter protests preventing the National Guard from coming. The command and control structures of the U.S. Capitol Police and the Capitol Police Board contributed to unnecessary delays. That came out. And this... What the fuck is this? This was part of the deal. In the report. But the media didn't cover any of that because why would we glenn greenwald did get a good thing this might be her last chance to see the extraordinary heroic noble inspiring high priestess of ethics and democratic values elizabeth cheney speak in the august committee rooms of the house who would want to miss this for those who missed the news or forgot the reason liz cheney is leaving the house is her own constituents voted against her by 35 fucking points Bloomberg reported this week. I'm prepping you because I'm about to play the media montage. Jan 6 committee star witness story collapsed. The one where he was in the SUV and he choke slammed everybody. Do you remember that? Yeah, that didn't happen. It's not in the report anywhere. And all the charges they got him on, other than obstruction, if they actually have the goods... None of them will ever be charged. But let's be honest, we knew before we started, after the impeachment, 
where they didn't get them in the Senate, they were going to continue to do this and keep it in the news so they get their fucking brainless voters out because they still get off on this shit. And they carried it and trickled it along all the way through the midterms. And now that they're going to go away, they were going to do this anyway. And it doesn't really mean anything because they don't have any powers to charge anybody for shit. We have just witnessed an extraordinary moment in American history. Uh, this uh, January 6th select committee with both Democrats and Republicans. You hear a pause in the room right there on Capitol Hill, uh, voting unanimously to send criminal referrals to the Department of Justice. This committee conducted a thorough investigation, David. It lasted more than a year, more than a thousand witnesses interviewed under oath. This is not simply a criminal referral to the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice uh, will make its own judgment about whether or not to prosecute Donald Trump for crimes. What this is, is this is a committee, after conducting an investigation such as it is conducted, one of the most thorough we have seen of any single incident in American history. Does the Justice Department have more in terms of time working on this? I, th I think there was a perception over the summer as we watched these hearings that this committee uh, was much far advanced of the DOJ. Do we know that to be a fact? We don't know that for sure, but I think that the the betting public um, and us insiders are that that's correct. In fact, part of the reason there was such tension between members of the committee and the Department of Justice was the feeling by people on the committee as to where is DOJ? Why weren't they uh, doing more? It's very unusual for Congress to be out ahead of the department. Does this uh, committee uh, have more witness statements, more information than the Justice Department? That is a tough question. It would seem that they've developed a lot that we didn't even hear about. But DOJ does not give updates on their investigations. So they may have a treasure chest of, in, of evidence and information, maybe even more than the January 6th committee. Later today, the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th assault on the Capitol plans to release its full report and follows a vote on Monday, a big one, really a historic vote, recommending that the Justice Department pursue possible criminal charges against former President Donald Trump. California Democrat Adam Schiff was a member of that committee and the Congressman joins us now. Congressman, thank you for being here. Great to be with you. Uh, I've heard you say that you believe there is enough publicly available evidence to charge the former president. Given that being the case in your view, do you think he will be charged by the DOJ? For, under what circumstances and what calculations would the DOJ, the special counsel, decide not to indict? Well, so how damaging in your view would it be to our effort to heal and restore a sense of normalcy in the aftermath of January 6th. How important is it that they go through under a normal set of circumstances with an indictment that you think is deserved? Do you believe they're moving too slowly? I believe they have moved way too slowly. They, they moved quickly when it came to the foot soldiers, the people that broke into the Capitol, assaulted police officers. But for the higher-ups uh, and for other lines of effort to overturn yeah. the election, they have taken way too Isn't long. Isn't it good to be deliberate and even meticulous in, in how they approach this? It is, uh, given the stakes. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. But, but we're almost two years from the events of that day. That makes sense. That's a long time. How difficult a decision was this for you all to reach this conclusion? Listen, we saw all the evidence. We hear uh, unprecedented and historic. 
I think it's important for the people to know the time and care that was put in this. Congressman, I want to talk about you for a moment here. Uh, the Republicans, as they take control in 2023, are widely expected to remove you from your committee position on the Intel Committee. Uh, Diane Feinstein uh, also uh, questions about whether she'll run in 2024. That would open up a historic seat there in the state of uh, California. But we begin tonight with former President Trump. The January 6th committee making history today. For the first time, Congress has recommended criminal charges for a former president. The committee voting unanimously to re recommend former President Trump be charged by the Justice Department for his actions leading up to and including January 6th. The committee's nearly 18-month investigation, 10 public hearings, depositions from more than 1,000 witnesses. Tonight, the committee saying, quote, the central cause of January 6th was one man, former President Donald Trump, summoning supporters to Washington, sending them up to march to the Capitol, putting his own vice president in harm's way, recommending Trump be charged with obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to make a false statement, and inciting an insurrection. This, of course, is now up to the DOJ whether to charge Trump. And for the first time today, video testimony from Hope Hicks, one of the former president's longest and most loyal aides, and what she said about Trump in the weeks leading up to January 6th. We're going to begin with a historic day on Capitol Hill. For the first time in American history, Congress has referred a former president to the Department of Justice for possible criminal prosecution, recommending four felony charges for his role in trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Now, the statute for one of those charges, insurrection, says someone convicted shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. Plus, we are learning tonight about the warning from Hope Hicks to Donald Trump about violence on January 6th and what the president said in return. This all marks the culmination of the committee's 18-month investigation now as it seeks accountability. Good evening, everyone. Today's parting message from the House January 6th committee reads like a criminal indictment, which is exactly what they're hoping comes of their work. In their final public session, the bipartisan panel voting unanimously to recommend to the Department of Justice four criminal charges against former President Trump and others related to the attack on the Capitol, including inciting and aiding an insurrection, accusing the ex-president of intending to disrupt the peaceful transition of power. The committee, with no authority of its own to charge, laying out the evidence and pillars of its findings and what amounted to closing arguments as it raised... Other referrals, not related to the Justice Department, but you made referrals of four members of Congress, the committee did, to the Ethics Committee. Separately, though, I did not, um, I, I have not seen, and maybe there's some, 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 you can illuminate some of this for us, recommendations about the members of Congress that we know aided and abetted in some way, shape, or form um, the insurrection or the plot to uh, disrupt the peaceful transition of, of, of power. On the, on the ethics committee referrals, have you reached out to the ethics committee about what their process is going to be, what happens uh, come January, Republicans are in charge, and then for these other members of Congress, should they too not be held accountable? After the Civil War, members of the United States Senate who sided with the Confederacy, they were expelled by their... The walls are closing in. I love that last one where we need to actually expel Republicans for doing what Democrats did for Bush 2000 and 2004. Trump in 216, everybody in 218, where we didn't even seat people. They've all been election deniers.
I mean, who invented it? The Democrats. Then there's one last thing. I forgot. I got to play this up front before I get into the Twitter craziness. This is touring the country right now. Found it on Tucker. Before you get the Tucker soundbite, you're going to see the full video. This is family-friendly. And I want to continue because these same people who just said Trump's evil, everybody, there's a thousand people charged and they're shooting for 3,000. They're going to bring everybody they can find that was there standing outside the Capitol under some charge. As of last night, that was reported. 1,000 people when we haven't charged anybody for Floyd. But these people, these trans drag freak shows, this is good. They get it going to the, they're invited in the White House. Drag shows are popping up all over the country. Drag shows for kids. One of them was held the other day in Austin, Texas. You're huge. It's awesome that you're here tonight. Thank you for being here. You're so awesome. Are you having a good time? What's your favorite part? Nothing. I saw you guys with your mom in the meet and greet. Where's Melinda, the mom? Melinda, right? Wait, tell me your name again. Sonia, we need more mothers like you in the world. How old are you? Nine. You're nine? Oh my god, Oh, look at that. Thank you, Pepper's mom is out here. Hello, you're reaching for my d***s. Are you hungry? Oh, Yeah, in case you were wondering if they were targeting kids, they're literally targeting kids. Here's more footage from the same event. So GLAD is for this? Human rights campaign is for this? Oh, they're for it. It's happening all over the country. It's part of a national tour called the Drag Queen Christmas. 36 shows in 18 different states. The reason you know what it's like inside and not just relying on the lies of NBC News and the Washington Post is because Taylor Hansen, an independent journalist, went there and got that footage with the help of the Texas Family Project. Twitter immediately suspended Hansen for telling the truth about what was going on. Amazingly, Taylor Hansen joins us tonight. Taylor, thanks so much for coming on. Um, so I, I think your video basically answers my questions. This wasn't an adult thing. This was a 
kid thing. There were kids there. That was the point, right? Yeah, you're completely right, Tucker. I mean, this was marketed towards children in the flyer itself. It literally says all ages. And I don't know about you, I mean, but the video that I watched, it does not entitle anything that includes, you know, it's appropriate for all ages in this. What, what, I mean, I'll let our audience come to their own conclusions about why someone would intentionally target children for this. And let me just say, if there were no kids there, we wouldn't be putting this on the air because it wouldn't be our business. But with kids there it is, I think. Um, why would you be banned from telling the truth about what was going on inside, do you think? Yeah, it's very interesting that, you know, I was almost immediately suspended after reporting on this and having it hit breaking news. Uh, you know, the reason why I would be banned is because you have fake reporters, you know, like Will Carlos from USA Today, amongst many other sources that want to come out and say, you know, there are no children there. I mean, they flat out deny this, even though that these children are essentially on video being sexually groomed. I mean, there's no other way to put it, is no. these children are being groomed by adults. So, and... Outlets like USA Today pretend that they lie and they say that's not happening when this video shows that it is. Why would they want to cover that up? I really think it's all about the narrative game here. As you know, I've heard of something called drag phobia. Um, that's been popping up pretty recently in my mentions. Um, you know, and I guess if uh, I don't really know what that means, but if drag phobia means that I am against. Uh, you know, full-grown men dressed as women, sexually dancing and committing lewd acts in front of minors uh, intentionally, then, you know, you could consider me drag-phobic, to say the least. Yeah, I would say. Were the dads here? I mean, why doesn't anyone put a stop to this? Again, just to be completely clear, doing this to kids is a crime, and mm -hmm. certainly a moral crime, and I'm just amazed that people sit back and let it happen. Uh, but, Taylor Hanson, thank you. I'm glad you, you mentioned the dads, Tucker. Yes. Please, go is ahead. There, there actually is a common reoccurrence is there are no dads there 99% right. of the time okay. is a lot of the people that bring these kids to these shows are single mothers who you know, happen to be obese. I don't know if there's a pattern there or what. I mean, but if people are repulsed just like I am at recording this video, um, they can visit DefendKidsTX.com to personally help yep. me here. Appreciate it. Taylor Hanson, good to see you. Those are the good people. You're garbage. So, before I play the media montage, this is Twitter Files Part 7. And, uh, yeah, it's bad. In 6, we saw the FBI relentlessly seek to exercise influence over Twitter, including over its content. In 7, we present evidence pointing to an organized effort by the representatives of the intelligence community aimed at senior executives, news, and social media companies to discredit leaked information about Hunter. The story begins in December 2019 when a Delaware computer store opener, December 19, 2019, the FBI has issued a subpoena for and takes Hunter Biden's laptop. In August 2020, Mac Isaac still has not heard back from the FBI, even though he had discovered evidence of criminal activity. And so he emails Rudy Giuliani, who was under FBI surveillance at the time, in early October. 
Shortly before 7 p.m. on October 13th, Hunter Biden's lawyer, George Mashir, emails GP Mac Isaac. Hunter and Messiah had just learned from the New York Post that the story about the laptop would be published the next day. At 9.22 p.m., FBI Special Agent Elvis Chan sends 10 documents to Twitter, then head of Sites Integrity, Roth, through teleprompter and one-way communication channel from the FBI to Twitter. The next day, October 14th, the Post runs his explosive story. Every single fact was accurate. And yet within hours, Twitter and all other social media companies and all the other media censor it. Why is that? On December 2nd, Mike Taibbi described the debacle inside Twitter. Since then, we have discovered new info that points to an organized effort by the intel community. First, it's important to understand that Hunter Biden earned tens of millions of dollars in contracts with foreign business, including ones linked to China's government. And there's a video of Peter Scherzer, another guy that came up with this on his own. And yet during all the 2020, the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly primed Yoel Roth to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian hack and leak. This is from the sworn declaration by Roth and given in December 2020. They did the same to Facebook and we played it. We're, when the uh, Rogan show. When the FBI warned of Russia hack and leak operations relating to Hunter Biden based on any new intel, no, they weren't. Through our investigation, we did not see any similar competing intrusion to what happened in 2016, admitted FBI agent Elvis Chan in November. These are the people that ran with the Russia hoax. Indeed, Twitter executives repeatedly report very little Russian activity as of 20, September 24, 2020. In fact, Twitter debunked false claims by journalists of foreign influence on its platform. We haven't seen any evidence to support the claims. That was Ben Collins. After FBI asked about a WAPO story on alleged foreign influence in pro-Trump tweets, Twitter Roth says the article makes a lot of insinuations, but we saw no evidence of the cases here. It's not the first time that Twitter Roth have pushed back against FBI. In January 2020, he does it. Pressure had been growing. We have seen a sustained of coordinated effort by IC intelligence communities to push up to share more info and change API policy. That's all from the FBI. Time and again, FBI asked Twitter for evidence of foreign influence. We haven't yet identified any. Despite the Twitter pushback, the FBI repeatedly requests information for Twitter that Twitter already made clear it was not will not share outside normal legal channels. Then in July 2020, the FBI Chan again arranges for a temporary top-secret security clearance for Twitter executives so the FBI can share information of incoming threats. On August 11th, the FBI Chan shares information with Twitter Roth relenting to rushing hacking organization through the FBI secure one-way channel teleporter. Recently, Roth told Kara Swisher that he had been prime to think about the Russian hacking group before news of Hunter Biden came out. When it did, Ross said it set off every single one of the things we were told to look for. So he's blaming the FBI. He would have banned it anyway. Chan then asked Twitter, does anyone here have top secret clearance? When someone mentions Jim Baker, Chan responds, I don't know how I forgot him. An odd claim given Chan's job is to monitor Twitter. Who is Jim Baker? He formed the general counsel of the FBI's Russian hoax bullshit. As general counsel of the FBI, Baker played a central role in making a case inter internally to investigate Trump based on bogus shit. 
Baker wasn't the only senior FBI exec. Don Burton, the former deputy chief of staff to FBI head James Comey, was there. As, as of 2020, there were so many former FBI's, BU alumni, they had their own slack, they had their own shit, we talked about it before. Evers continued to influence Twitter in September 2020. Roth participates in an Aspen tabletop exercise on potential hack and dump operations. The organization was Vin Schriller from CEO of NPR, former head of news at Twitter for Gen Manager of New York Times, chief digital officer for NBC News. Attended include Meta, WAPO, everybody. They were basically trained to shut this down. Federal Task Force. Here's another supplemental. I don't know if I've covered this or not. There's just so much coming out. Basically, all this stuff over and over and over shows that by the end of this, They were instructing them, all the media, this is the FBI, to do it. And they even paid $31 million to Twitter for their services. Because they were doing so much service for them that they felt they had to pay them. And then during the entire time that was going on, we had shooters, we had George Floyd, we had Antifa tearing shit up, BLM activists burning down fucking precincts. They weren't investigating that. We had Portland, federal agents getting injured every night for an entire summer. They weren't investigating. They were training the entire media conglomerate to turn this into another Russia collusion knowing all along, because they were in possession, that it was all true because they had chosen Biden as their next president. Other information that came out during this, I just want to play that again. In a November 30 letter, NARA informed the Biden White House that it had cleared 69 images and 282 email messages mentioning Burisma for release in compliance with the FOIA. 22 emails are restricted. 75 messages will be partially redacted if the president permits released. And he didn't permit it. One month ago, under oath, Ray was asked this question by Ron Paul. Bring information to the FBI with investigative value relating to foreign malign influence. Now, there'd probably be a great deal more tolerance about that if it's foreign malign influence. But the question is, are you also receiving information on so-called domestic? But what, what would that mean? Is someone questioning whether paper ballots are an accurate way of running election? Is that good enough for you to be getting our private information because we have a political beef with the way votes are counted or recorded? in our country, is that something that you're collecting information on? Are, you, are they giving you information on private 
things that you've told them, well, we, people who question the election, we want, we want to hear about these people, and so then they're giving you this information. Are you receiving information? I'll like give that? you two classic examples that I think happen with some frequency. One, if we supply information to, say, Facebook or any number of other technology companies about foreign accounts, Russian intelligence service, for example, accounts, they, when they then look in their system for those accounts, they often find other accounts related to those and they provide tips and leads back to us about those. That's one example. A second would be a situation where a technology company encounters a threat of violence on their platform, on their services, and they provide tips and leads to us and, and we follow and up on those and threats of violence. not a lot of disagreement about that. The question is, is when we start to talk about political speech, and that is the question, are you receiving things that could be interpreted, and we'd want to know, and if you're not going to admit to us, whether it's political speech, someone who questions the election, you know, someone who uh, is, is mad about something that, that is going on, but it's not saying they're directly going to commit violence, they're mad about things. What the New York Post article said is, yes, you're getting this, and then when they're finally read in context, and this is from a whistleblower, which makes us suspect you're not being forthcoming or honest with us, is that whistleblowers are saying you are receiving this information from Facebook and others, and that you are going around the Constitution then to come back and try to get warrants for it. But then once you read it, there's been no actionable intelligence on this, but this is an active program that you've got. If you work for the government, you. you should admit to us whether or not you have a program going after our speech. Thank you, Senator we, Paul. We investigate violence, not speech. Thank you, Senator. Now understand, I, I'm skimming over this material, but the details... If you read the scenario that did the tabletop, it's exactly what this was. They were just training him on a case that they knew. And the, F, the, the actual Republican in the Senate have approved a raise for the FBI and a new headquarters building. I, 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 I'm sometimes just in shock how we really do have a uniparty. Because remember, we just went down the road that um, we were fucking losing our shit over people getting banned. Journalists. Here's the kid that is running the site that spends all its time focusing and giving out the information of where Elon Musk is and one of the people that got banned. So what, what is your current demand relative to Musk? What will it make for you to go away and stop this? Uh, still a Tesla or $50,000. I mean, I'm not going to up it. There's no need to. I got my account back. I got my account back. I got my account back. First and foremost, I'd like to say, fuck you to my hacker. <laughs> and I won't be selling any fucking laptops anymore. And I'd also like to say thank you to everybody who's been so fucking awesome and supportive and just incredible and believing that this was happening to me. And a lot of people just went out of their way to make sure that the right people were contacted and holy shit. 
I am back. I'm back. So fucking A. <laughs> fucking A. All right. Yay. Thanks for everybody. Fuck. I'm back. I'm back. And I'm going to be even more fired up than ever. Look at Their whole lives are Twitter. Without Twitter, they don't even know what the fuck to do. And I put this up every fucking show. But now you see the coordination that went into 2020 to ensure that Donald Trump didn't win. Was the FBI working with fucking Twitter to make sure something they knew that was going to come out didn't come out and hurt him? And, and once again, before I play the media, here's what the FBI statement is over all the things we've seen that they were doing instead of going after Antifa, going after shooters, going after real terrorists that were destroying cities while they were training media companies how to ignore Hunter Biden. The FBI in the U.S. is responding to Twitter records released yesterday indicating the Bureau paid millions of dollars to the social media company. The taxpayer funds were allegedly used to reimburse Twitter for what was called processing requests from the FBI. Lucas Tomlinson has details tonight. FBI officials confirm the agency paid Twitter nearly $3.5 million. Money critics say was used to help suppress information, including the New York Post's Hunter Biden laptop story. Author Michael Schellenberger's first reported the payments as part of the so-called Twitter files, revealing a close working relationship between the FBI and the social media giant. The FBI tells Fox News it was part of routine reimbursements for Twitter, complying with standard legal requests. I am happy to report we have collected $3,415,323 since October 2019, reports an associate of Jim Baker in early 2021. Baker, Twitter's former deputy general counsel and before that, the top FBI lawyer, was fired by Elon Musk for his alleged role in suppressing information. In a statement to Fox News, the FBI says, quote, the correspondence between the FBI and Twitter show nothing more than examples of our traditional, long-standing and ongoing federal government and private sector engagements. It is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. Republican Congressman Jim Comer says he wants to know more about an FBI task force focused on social media content formed after the 2016 election. One way we could get the FBI in front of the committee really quickly is say, we're not giving you a penny until you all come down here and explain to us what this task force was, why you told Twitter to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story when you knew darn well it was true. FBI officials say they did not provide Twitter with any specific instructions or details. Where I come from, that's just fuck you. Fuck you, we can do whatever the fuck we want because we're the fucking FBI. Go fuck yourself. And we like Democrats. We're woke. I mean, we saw the demographics are destiny and we decided, fuck it. We're just going to go with one team because then we can keep getting our money. And we're going to support that team. Just like the IRS does, the USPS does, you name it. They do it. So 
Here's our media meltdown. It's our jerk off of the week over all this Twitter stuff. And they barely cover it, but they hate Musk. Miami politics, the media jerk off of the week. And, and Mike, uh, Elon Musk initially mocked his critics over this ban, tweeting, so inspiring to see this newfound love of freedom of speech by the press. I mean, I, I should note, full disclosure, I had my press credentials revoked uh, during the Trump administration, got them back uh, after we went to a federal judge uh, going through that experience. So, you know, I, I wonder, do you think the public understands the gravity of the situation when the very powerful are able to silence uh, people tasked with holding them accountable. I mean, you were, you guys were literally trying to hold uh, Elon Musk's feet to the fire, and it sounds like he had had enough and he lashed out. Sounds familiar? No, you're, you're totally, you're totally right. I remember when you when you got kicked out of the the press pool um, a few years back. And no, it's 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 you know, my colleague Ryan Mack uh, was suspended, as you guys noted before. Uh, we have been aggressively reporting on Elon. I think the thing that really is is hypocritical in a lot of this is just he he claims to be a free speech sort of warrior, free speech maximalist uh, when it suits him. And then when, you know, I think he really made a very emotional decision when he had um, what he said was a stalker following one of his children in another car. And, and look, like, obviously that's a terrible thing. No one wants that to happen. But he's also been fixated on... Elon Jet this account for a very long time, tried to pay the guy to take it down. And so there's something like really personal on how he's been dealing with it. And I think that's that can be really dangerous when personal sort of feelings begin to interpret policy and really rewrite policy at Twitter in a matter of an afternoon for Elon. Yeah. And Stephen, I think uh, Elon Musk was also making a pretty incendiary accusation. I mean, if you're a reporter covering a politician or a sporting event uh, and you tweet that a senator has just arrived on the floor, that a player has arrived at the stadium, uh, I suppose you're talking about their real time location. But if you're talking about Elon Musk's jet, I mean, how in the world are you supposed to be providing precise coordinates at any given moment? And, you know, I mean, if you were to extrapolate this out, and engage in this fantasy. Yeah. I mean, is the, is, does he think the U.S. Air Force is coming out? I mean, what? Well, it's just so strange. You and I at the White House for four years tweeted where Air Force One was and the president of the That's United right. States, uh, who yeah. is obviously uh, somebody that other people would like to harm around the world. So it's, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the point is, Donnie, it's, it's you today. Is it the president tomorrow? Is Biden going to say something? Is Macron going to say something to criticize him? I mean, there's a lot at stake here. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, Twitter, in a, under its old management, already kicked off a, a president of the United States, although in very, very uh, different circumstances after, of course, the attack um, on the U.S. Capitol. Twitter is a private company. Uh, it can do whatever it wants. Elon Musk can do uh, whatever he wants. Again, there is a hypocrisy there when he claims that he wants his platform to be all about free speech. Look, I mean, I think for somebody, you know, a lot of reporters uh, that, got, that got suspended last night are from major U.S. media outlets like CNN, The New York Times, and The Washington Post. Um, 
I would be less concerned uh, about the likes of myself. I mean, I have a platform. I'm here talking to you. I can use other social media platforms. I would be very concerned, though, about <clears throat> the precedent this might set and the chilling effect uh, that this might have, especially on independent and freelance journalists, especially outside of the US, uh, who do have to rely on Twitter to get their work out there and to get work. Um, and it, uh, also the chilling effect that this might have uh, on journalists who are holding must to account at his other companies, uh, including Tesla and SpaceX. Mm -hmm. Tony, I'm going to put you on the spot. I only have 30 seconds left. But, I mean, do you think we're looking at a Twitter 2.0? Do you think it could actually uh, emerge as something else out of this or, or could disintegrate altogether? Uh, you know, never make predictions with Elon Musk, I think, is the wisest thing. But I do think this has given us all pause. You saw the uh, CNN uh, statement there. I think it's given newsrooms pause. Uh, for us to all ask ourselves, you know, do we really want to be on this platform? Are there other ways uh, to, um, you know, get our news out there through social media? So I do think this is a, a big moment when it comes to journalism and this uh, critical platform. Yeah, absolutely more to come on all of that. And Donnie, we really appreciate you following it. And we'll wait to see if you are. We are living in a new gilded age of extreme inequality and power-mad billionaires calling the shots and dominating business as well as politics. In fact, we are just coming off the first experiment in this country's long history of a power-mad billionaire, by his own calculation at least, occupying the highest office in the land. It was arguably the most catastrophic failure of a presidency in our history, certainly since the Civil War, ending with an attempt to upend the Constitutional Republic. And now, almost a year after the end of Donald Trump's term in office, we are witnessing another power-mad billionaire attempt to coerce and capture the American discourse. Earlier this year, Elon Musk, CEO and founder of Tesla and SpaceX, bought the website that helped launch Donald Trump's first campaign. And Musk now seems intent on emulating Trump in his new role as head of Twitter. Last night, Musk went on a sort of mad king off with their heads purge that some are already calling the Thursday night massacre. Musk suspended the accounts of several high profile journalists who work at organizations including CNN, The Washington Post, New York Times. Their alleged infraction, and it's not quite clear they actually did it because we don't have any transparency, was reporting on and sharing information about an account that Musk permanently banned from Twitter the previous day called Elon Jet. Now, that account, started in 2020 by a then high school student and fan of Musk, posted publicly available information about the location of Musk's private plane. It actually appears to be owned by SpaceX. This is data that is easily accessible online from basically every plane in the sky. It's actually really cool to look at. This is what the real-time flight traffic around the world looked like earlier this evening on one of the sites that tracks it. The FAA requires all planes to send out signals of their real-time location and other flight data. If you think about it for more than 15 seconds, you can understand why you wouldn't want to keep that private. Having that data out there helps to prevent crashes. It keeps people on the ground informed. But according to Elon Musk, sharing that public data on Twitter is equivalent to posting, quote, basically assassination coordinates in obvious direct violation of Twitter terms of service. That's a real stretch uh, for a bunch of reasons, uh, not the least of which is the terms of service he retrofitted <laughs> to match the infraction. He added them, prohibiting the sharing of anyone's current location without their permission after he banned the Elon Jet account. See how that works? And I'm pretty sure this new terms of service is just totally incoherent. I mean, Musk would have violated that rule himself with this selfie that he posted last month saying, quote, just leaving Twitter HQ code reviewed. In his terms, 
That was assassination coordinates for all the engineers in that room. But that obvious ludicrous hypocrisy didn't stop Musk, who went so far as to publicly accuse the banned journalists of doxing him, maliciously spreading private information in a Twitter Spaces discussion last night. Showing real-time uh, information about somebody's location is uh, inappropriate, and I think everyone on this call would not like that to be done to them. And, and there is not going to be any distinction in the future between journalists, so-called journalists, and, and regular people. Everyone's going to be treated the same. You're not special because you're a journalist. You're, you're just, you're, you're a Twitter, you're just, you're a citizen. Um, so, uh, no special treatment. Um, you dox, you dox, you get suspended. End of story. Now, if there's any remaining doubt about Moss motivations, the Thursday Night Massacre also just happened to include the official count of Mastodon, a Twitter competitor. Twitter also began blocking many links to Mastodon, which is about as flagrant as it gets. I'm still not clear why that happened or what the half-hearted excuse is. Now, Elon Musk bought Twitter. He could do what he wants with it. It's not a violation of the First Amendment. The true lesson of the heart of this story is not about Elon Musk or content moderation. It's about what happens when an individual hopped up on his own narcissism and power and being told he's brilliant and used to getting his way decides to rule like a king. Absolutely. That person has nothing checking him. No board, no advisors, no bureaucracy, no one pushing back. Of course, that is the world that Donald Trump inhabited for years. He ran his weird family enterprise inherited from his daddy, which was a private business with no shareholders, no board. The Trump organization was run almost like a medieval fiefdom, a small circle of yes men. Whatever the boss says goes. And then Donald Trump tried to transfer that leadership style into the highest office in the land in the most powerful government on earth. Thankfully, the bureaucracy around him, the checks and balances of American government, the courts, Congress, stopped him from doing the presidential version of what Elon Musk got up to last night. Courts, Congress, regular people doing their jobs like Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman restrained Donald Trump from the worst excesses of one man rule. I don't like this person. Get rid of them. Throw them in jail. We're not making distinctions about journalists. That happens in other countries. We fought a revolution to ensure it would not happen here, in fact. Now, luckily, the stakes are much lower with Twitter. It's not the nuclear arsenal. In fact, I'm almost loathe to bring it up tonight. But there's a clear lesson, a very clear one, an important one on the same theme. You cannot trust anyone with absolute power in any domain. No matter if it's the U.S. presidency, a social media enterprise, a cable news show, a condo board association, even a pillow company. Left unchecked, they will drive it into the ground because people need checks. They need bureaucracy. They I typed in and Googled the tail number of Elon Musk's private jets, and it was pretty easy to figure it out. And again, this is publicly available information. We even got in touch with the FAA and asked them, is there really a way to mitigate privacy for private jets? And they told us pretty much no, because of the Freedom of Information Act. And also, they pointed to numerous accounts as well and websites that do have this publicly available information to track private jets, not just Elon Musk's, but think of Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg's plane as well. And I even checked the Twitter policy on doxing, and it says that if you share publicly available information that is elsewhere available, that is not doxing. So for some reason, at around 5, 6 p.m., after a full day of reporting on these uh, Twitter account suspensions, I found myself in the same, uh, in the same suspension, permanently banned, and it hasn't been lifted as of yet this morning. 
Hey, I don't know if this got any publicity anywhere, but apparently I've been permanently banned from Twitter by Elon Musk for not doing something he claimed he would never ban anybody for doing. What a friggin' candy-ass, lying, hypocritical, self-contradicting, little paranoid snowflake that apartheid Clyde really is. And I was hardly the most important journalist or commentator who got it. Aaron Rupar, Donnie O'Sullivan, Ryan Mack, it's the baptism scene from the Godfather movie, and we all got whacked by Don Elon Musclione. For a moment last night, I thought, you know, he did this just so we'd all forget about Donald Trump's stupid baseball cards from yesterday. Let me talk about that, too. Plus, Thurber's The Catbird Seat and much more on the Friday Countdown podcast, now available wherever you get your freaking podcasts, except Twitter, because you know. It just shows that they, like that Brian Seltzer article, cannot handle not owning all media and being able to promote Democrat agendas. That's the whole nutshell. That's what it's always about. It'll always be about. It's disgusting. So, going to go into quick woke, little climate, little abortion, but LGBT as always, because that is their other conduit to brainwash the masses. Turn it up! Turn it on Rock it like we're bad to the bone Get on the floor, running loose Gotta put these two left feet to use If you need education in the party scene As you think you can dance with me This ain't no joke Turn up Let's get woke What is new here is that a board member here had their home vandalized, similar script in the morning as well. Let me show you. This is a Pregnancy Aid Inc. board member's home, which not only had the garage door and driveway spray painted in the early hours this morning, but the two people responsible also broke a window. I'm afraid for her and afraid for me. Nancy got the call in the early hours of the morning about the vandalism at the home, only to come to their building and see the spray paint here too. The center is a 501c3 nonprofit. It offers free pregnancy tests and ultrasounds along with formula and clothing. It does not offer abortion services. I personally don't want anyone to have an abortion, but it's not up to me. We help people who get abortions. We don't help them get abortions, but say they get one and they need help. I need a doctor because I'm having difficulty after my abortion or I feel bad or I need a counselor or I don't have insurance or I don't know how to sign up for WIC and I already have a one-year-old. The police are investigating. The best info so far is it appears to be two people who were driving a Prius. So far, no license plate. Pregnancy aid has been in this location for about two years, never had any issues before now, and are surprised with the voters having the final say on the abortion. Hey, TikTok, I need your help with something. And it's really important to me and it's gonna be a big deal. I'm coming out at work as trans to everyone including all my students, who I've known some of them for a couple years now. But I'm going to be honest, I don't know how I'm going to address their question. I'm not good at this stuff. I'm going to ask them to start calling me Miss Ella and to use the proper pronouns. 
But knowing kids, especially elementary school age kids, they're gonna ask questions and I want to make sure I have answers or the correct answers. The best answers. Some sort of answers. So if you have any resources on it or, or anything, please let me know. If you've done it, if you have anything, I'm looking for advice. Comment, stitch, whatever it is. Just let me know. I need help. And for anyone that gives me any, I just would like to say thanks in advance because this is going to be stressful, and I always like to be prepared. So, we'll see. I'll give you all updates. People who say, oh, but you're, you know, you're, you're harming a life. I believe this is life. Well, some religions don't. So how about that? Our Jewish brothers and, and sisters, they are able to have an abortion according to their faith. You know, there are so many faiths that do not have the same definition of life as fundamentalist Christians. And so we how what about their rights? What about their right to exercise their faith? It's ridiculous. And it is it's it is theocratic. It's authoritarian. It is wrong. So that's old AOC once again you fucking bigots abort your baby. Save the planet. I'm loving this LGBT thing because it's just spot the fuck on on what we got going on in our country right now. So, uh, make this quick so I wanted to make it a shorter podcast. Boom! Charity worker arrested, charged for silent prayer. She said nothing, but she was by abortion clinic, so they arrested her. Because the DOJ is going after pro-life people. Because that's what we do, right? Yeah. Then back to this one, because it's so apropos. According to a report filed on October 26th and obtained by Fox News Digital, the transgender student listed as student A entered the restroom and spoke to female student. After the contentious words were exchanged, a fight broke out. The student's victim labeled as V, redacted report, and the girl's bathroom, and A and B, and I played it. And, and you know, I didn't play it. I guess I played, uh, I couldn't play the video. The other one was about damaging more pro-life shit but this is another tranny in a female bathroom fucking people up and i don't know if i got the picture i think i did did i get the picture no i didn't so emotional black male transgender suicide cases exaggerated that actually make transgenders think about suicide yeah that that's probably bad biden administration prioritized gender affirming care and homelessness plan if you don't think like ben shapiro said this is the beginning it's just the beginning the convicted sex offender who had id'd as a female and exposed himself in this the we spa was finally arrested after going on the run and exposing himself again. But the media was, you're a piece of shit. Mia Kobley's insightful and moving coming-of-age discovery of identity as non-binary is told in Gender Queer, the most banned book in America, because it's brainwashing, kind of like this piece of shit. That's for kids so they know how assisted suicides are in Canada. That's the left. Brainwash, 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 brainwash.
There's your new LGBT flag again. This one's got an umbrella for sex workers because they're covering them or something. I don't, I don't fucking know anymore. I don't know what we're doing. A lot of anti or climate shit going on while we're having scientists report pressures on metals as energy transitions to ramp up. We don't have the metals for all the shit they want to do. We'd have to fucking mine the whole world. But we're getting people like, I think this is from Axios? No. Washington Post. Climate reporter demeans kids as high-cost luxury. Several years ago, I read a study that said that having one fewer child was the best individual action to take for the climate. I was intrigued and a little skeptical. The story is a result, and you need to stop having a kid, you piece of fucking shit. Don't have kids. While we're throwing all this money out, while we have homeless and vet suicides and all the shit they don't fucking care about, blading, we're handing money overseas for foreign reporters to push the climate crazy. But that coincides with actual reporters. GMA producer was paid thousands of dollars by Florida-based lobbying firm before a hit job interviews on political opponents. 11 years after she had that affair with married to catch a predator host, Chris Hansen. Basically, our journalist class are garbage. So don't have kids. Don't own a fucking home. It's a bad idea. Government show housing. Because it's racist and shit. Then Josh Hawley was going to play it, but I'm trying to keep the, the time down below two fucking hours. For right-wingers who want to ban porn, I think it's worth pointing out that porn is pretty much the only form of visual media that has dodged political correctness, wokeness, and it's ex- sexist, racist, and for all most part, heteronormative that's almost all TV's movies today. Blah, blah, blah. But with... The beauty of Elon Musk, and that's why the media hates him, there's stories. We're getting a lot of info that they didn't want to talk about, like 13,600 reports for COVID vaccine and normal vaccine might have one PE in 32 years. Pulmonary embolisms, the amount of people that are actually getting myocarditis, like I did, and stomach injuries, like I have. It's all coming out. Because they can't censor it anymore. They just can't censor. And I fucking think it's goddamn beautiful. So, I want to stay in the theme. I'm going to play that great um, National Lampoon Christmas Vacation video. And then a couple of my favorite movies for our lighter fare. This turkey tastes half as good as it looks. I think we're all in for a very big treat. <laughs> Save the neck for me, Clark. <laughs> okay, Eddie.
Have you ever wondered how it all gets done? How Santa gets in and out of millions of homes all in one night? Let's just say he has a little help. The operation has its challenges. But we're always prepared. Our mission statement, get in, get out, never be noticed. I'm part of prep and landing. An elite unit of elves getting houses around the world ready for the big guy's arrival. This Sunday, you'll feel as if you've won a major award. Fox is bringing a beloved holiday movie into your own home live. A Christmas Story Live will air right here on Fox 8 Sunday at 7 p.m. It's a live musical version of the Christmas classic starring Maya Rudolph, Matthew Broderick, and Jane Krakowski. But you don't have to wait until 7 p.m. to join it. Oh, life moves fast. One day you're playing kick the can with kids named Flick and Schwartz. And the next thing you know, you're a certified adult. Ralph, dear old man. Fragile. He was the best. Ralphie, promise me we're going to make this a wonderful Christmas. That would make your father so happy. I promise. What had I done? And now it was all up to me? I suggest you start drinking and don't stop till New Year's. Kids, who wants to go see Santa? This is amazing! Incredible! We will meet you right here when you're done. Don't let him kick you in the face. Huh? It's the half happy scene. No, uh, no, when it's just us decorating, it kind of feels like child labor. Honey, it's not labor if we don't pay you. Yeah. <sighs> Cheers. There'll be much mistletoe. My dad made this all look so easy. Mm. That doesn't mean it was easy. Schwartz, I triple dog dare you. Ooh. Oh, I got it now. Get out of That's brutal. It's the most wonderful time. Slowly, I could feel the Christmas ember beginning to glow again. Splendid. Light as air. 
boy's got talent. Why shouldn't he do something with his voice? I think a lot of you, you know that, don't you? If things ever go wrong for you, or people don't treat you right, or you get sick or something, don't forget we're friends. You'll let me know if you need me, won't you? Sometimes we have to go to the darkness alone before we can see the light. Might I offer you some assistance? Where are you headed? I'm headed to London by way of Gladbury. It's the Christmas season. The whole town's in a fuss. Is it really so bad? It is. Especially this Christmas with the new minister, High and Mighty from London. Reverend High and Mighty at your service. Welcome to Gladbury, the home of the Christmas candle. Forgive my ignorance, but what is this Christmas candle? The Christmas candle's no different than old wives' tales or your Bible stories. Somebody's miracle is in this basket, and we won't let it go to waste. I'm praying for a husband by Easter. All their hopes wrapped up in one candle. You may have one candle to give, but I hope to give everyone a little light this Christmas. Electricity in the church. Now this I have to see. What is this light? Is it signs and wonders, angels and miracles? Of course not. Today marks the dawning of a new age. I'm not the miracle man that you remember. Your doubts don't trouble me, Reverend. On the contrary, they inspire my faith. Gentle folks of Gladbury, welcome to this very special night. The love I shared, the hope I had, some things they cannot be restored. I do hope you're wrong. I think you should stay just until Christmas. People need hope and you can give it to them. You really do want to help these people, don't you? Of course I do. I know just the person to give the candle to this year. is happening. It'll be a happy Christmas after all. Let's get this party started. Show off! Dear Santa, this is Kate Pierce. I've been really good this year. I do say bad words every now and then, but that's only when my brother Teddy makes fun of me and I lose my... I mean my temper. Let go, you're gonna break it! <laughs> Who cares? This camera's like 20 years old. I have to work. It's Christmas Eve. You're gonna stay home with your sister. We should make a video. Maybe we could get a shot of Santa Claus. You really have no clue, do you? Nobody's ever seen Santa Claus. Tell me you're getting this. Do you realize how big of a deal this is? We need to get a closer look. Are you crazy? Duck! Can he see us? I don't think so. Cupid, hot comet! Oh. Ah! Hold on to something! Santa Claus? Live and in person. One night only.
Can you go ho, ho, ho? I don't go ho, ho, ho. That's a myth. Christmas spirit's down 35%. Half the planet's not gonna get toys. So a few brats don't get presents, it's not the end of the world. People need Christmas to remind themselves of how good they can be. Wendy, you got so big. Excuse me? You know what I mean, grown up big. Now, Wendy, we need a ride. Can you call an Uber? You think I can pay the driver with these? Imagine if we all work together. This just might work. We need to rally the reindeer. Calm it. And find the elves. I think I'm in the North Pole. Sleeve's busted. Can you guys fix it? Maybe we can still save Christmas. Face yourself! Show up! Less than an hour before the sun rises. Whoa. Let's get this party started. Just like wave your hand and Jedi mind trick the cop. I'm Santa Claus, Teddy, not Yoda. Okay, that's enough fun for one night. Are you listening? Comet, you can slow down! Come back here! Why must they keep drawing me like Okay, I know that's a lot, but you know I'm a Christmas geek, and I feel bad that I'm not doing a Christmas show, but Prep and Landing, Christmas Story Live, the new Christmas story um, with him as an adult I talked about, that one's great. Beyond Christmas is such a great movie. Look it up. It's free on Amazon. Um, our next one was, God, I can't even remember myself, Christmas Candle. My wife found that one. Very cute movie. Very family-friendly. And then, of course, Christmas Chronicles 1 and 2 on Netflix. I actually think that's the smartest approach to Christmas for kids because, you know, there's a lot of things like how does he do it and how can he carry all the presents and there's a billion people and blah, blah, blah that liberals throw out there. Well, they eventually become liberals. Shitting on tradition. And this one shows that little pipeline through the bag, and it shows time warps, and it's like he turns into coal dust. I mean, it's, like, really awesome. I, I got to admit I like that. But anyway, so that kind of closes it. I was going to go into the omnibus, but I'm going to save that for the next show because I'm still waiting for my guy, Oil Field Rando, who I found just because of this, and he just sent out a quick note. Um, but he didn't do his usual thread that I like. So I haven't got all the deets on that. But it's a shitload of money and a lot of pork. And it's starting to trickle out. The Republicans are relenting because McConnell thinks McCarthy's in trouble and they're not going to get their shit together. And he doesn't want to deal with another freaking shutdown because the Dems won. And it just, in my opinion... It is the biggest example of a uniparty. We live in a uniparty right now. McConnell is not going to play hardball. He's going to lay over and say, well, they got 52. Fuck it. And I don't know why. Especially $46 billion plus another billion he promised last night that's not even in that on top of it. So that rounds out $100 billion. It's more than we spent in Afghanistan, and no wonder we gave the country back to the Taliban because the Democrats were fighting. I mean, that's the problem for me. 
I watched the speech, which, by the way, Pelosi checked her watch like six times. It's just like Biden, and I don't know why. People say it's her Apple watch, and she just does everything through Apple. And she... Well, we had a little power outage. Wind's starting to pick up. It's going to like 35 mile gusts by four. In another five hours, I'll have an inch of snow on the ground. I'll have a white Christmas. But anyway, they say it's her Apple watch. But I've had notification watches, but when I was in meetings, I wasn't looking at my notification watch. I'm just saying, it wasn't something that I did. Biden did it at fucking Dover. I, I just don't get it. But anyway, I listened to that speech and we're adding money on top of money. And my point is that I remember I, I registered as a Republican because Democrats wouldn't even finance the Iraq war. They're playing fuck, fuck goose with that. But we're just chucking money at fucking Ukraine. They don't even think about it. There's no doubt. And then McConnell says there's nothing more of a priority for Republicans than the Ukrainian war. I don't think that's true. Within this package, we're sending border security funds to a bunch of overseas Middle East countries, Jordan. But our border, I'm sorry, Presec and Martha Raddatz, to tie into the beginning of the show, it's wide the fuck open. You let 4 million people come in. 2 million a year. But we're going to secure other people's borders. That just says everything about the Democrats. It just sums it up. So we will cover that next show. And I'm looking at uh, most likely Monday, 26th. 26th or 28th. I got a doctor's point the 27th. 26th or 28th, we're going to do another show. And we will cover the omnibus stuff. But... To end on the theme that I ended on, Christmas. Merry Christmas to everybody. I know times are lean for a lot of us, um, but really when it comes down to it, uh, the saddest thing about this Christmas is that my son might not be able to be here because of the weather. You know, he's got a car, I got a car, back in the day, go get him in the Jeep. But, of course, I sell my Jeep, and now we're going to get up to three inches of snow, and it's going to be negative one, and they're not going to be able to fix the roads because they're wet. And I don't even know if we can get out here. Because that's the meaning of Christmas. This year, more than anything for me, because I can't eat, and I haven't been really in the spirit, but it's family, being together, counting your blessings, being happy that at least we got a roof. We have most of our health. Well, everybody's healthy except for me. So that's pretty good. That's 60% in our house. And hopefully things will improve. So you thank for the birth of Jesus Christ. You hand some gifts, eat some good food, watch some good movies. House of family time. Disconnect from all the bullshit. And you have yourself a Merry Christmas. So I'm wishing every one of you a Merry Christmas. I thank you all for ever listening to my dumb ass on this mic. I know this year you got screwed over and I lost a lot of listeners because I just was too sick to do anything. To my brother Matt in Oregon, I once again thank you for financing a website. I'm so sorry I have to shut it down, but I just don't have the money until after the operation. Hopefully a gallbladder away, it'll be easier. I can go back to work. I won't be so arduous and I won't be so nauseous and I can don't have to eat on a schedule, I don't have to do anything. That is my fervent hope 
for next year. And then I'm turning that bitch right back on. And I also thank Matt for listening to every damn show. I don't even do that. Matt and Sean, thank you so much. And all the other ones that I see, but I won't name because some people probably don't want to be named listening to this with the way social media cuts shit down and deplatforms and craziness. A lot of people are listening and I'm very thankful for it because I'm just a regular dude in the basement who's having a really shitty life. So this is kind of therapy for me. I come down, I forget about everything else, talk for two hours, and then I go back to Suckville. So I thank you for listening. I am thankful for all of you. Merry Christmas. We will talk next year, and we will do Happy New Year talk. Until then, I hope Santa hooks you the hell up. I hope you get overstuffed at your dinner, and you have a happy family time. Till then, Merry Christmas.